It is so amazing to be in Montana at Fresh Life. Please sit down wherever you are. I love you so, so much. Um, I love this church already. Minutes into being here. Uh, happy summer, by the way. Hope you're enjoying the great outdoors. Uh, I'm from Seattle, and I thought I knew beauty. I thought I knew the outdoors. Um, okay, you guys win, okay? I think I saw a, a moose, a bear, and a salmon having a conversation on the way in today, and it's just, it's just amazing. Um, I love this church, and I'm so grateful for your pastors. Uh, their story is being told around the world, and their story is your story, and your story is their story, and this is an amazing community. Hey, if this is your first time, first of all, uh, come back next week and the week after to hear the, the pastor. Uh, and if you hate me, I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gone next week, and uh, there's always there's always your pastor. Um, but uh, we love you. We really, really do. And I'm so grateful uh, to be a friend to your pastors. And, uh, you know, Levi and Judah ought to be friends. Bible jokes? Are you? I know it's summer, but are we good with Bible jokes? Or are we going to, like, lay off those for the summer? Um, but... Uh, Levi, Jen, love you so much. So grateful for your faith, your courage. Um, you have given an enormous amount of people around the world space to grieve and to also um, find faith in um, difficult times and difficult seasons. And I love you so much. And this is, a, this is a special place. Again, if this is your first time here at Community at Fresh Life, uh, stick around. It only gets gooder and gooder and gooder. Like I said, my name's Judah. I've been married 17 years to the love of my life, Chelsea Smith. We, uh, we have three kids, 12, 10, and 7, Zion, Elliot, and my favorite of the three, the little girl, Grace, and uh, no, nah, I'm just a joke. Come on, everyone calm down. But I want to I wanna say hi to all the locations, and, and, and there's a new one, right? We're just so close to Wyoming. I always say why, I don't know how to, is it Wyoming, but it's Wyoming, right? It ends with an I-N-G. Okay, Wyoming, we love you. Uh, Kalispell, that's where we are. Whitefish, Billings, Missoula, Bozeman, Paulson, Helena, not Helena. These guest pastors come in, you know, they pronounce it Alina. It's Helena. Salt Lake City, go Jazz. Come on, Carl Malone. Carl! John Stockton, if you're out there, I love you. Network sites, online audience. Oh, my word. The Jazz, right? Boy, congrats, Salt Lake. <laughs> said, said no one. Oh, my goodness. I love you. Uh, come on, it's summertime. Everyone relax. Um, I, I am so, don't you love the flowers in summer? I tell you what, all the brilliant colors, it's beautiful. Third John, 
Third John, that's where we're going. Now, if you're new to community or, or new to this space, every time we get together at Fresh Life, uh, we'll open up this book. We believe it's God's book. We believe it's a story of God. It's a story that we're all now enveloped and living within. And this book, contrary to popular opinion, is not a collection of concepts and morals and do's and don'ts. It's actually a love story. And you're at the center of it. And you are the object of God's obsession. And he loves you so, so much. So We've got to stick to this being a story and a narrative, and you come to Fresh Life, uh, wherever you are, whatever location, and join community here. This book is a guide, and it's the framework, and so we hope that you find encouragement and strength. My dad was a pastor. He's now in heaven, but he would always say, hey, in this church, we're going to build you up and not beat you up. Isn't that nice? You know, and that's so fresh life, Pastor Levi, the whole team, and uh, so we've got a lot of things beating us up. But um, you come to Fresh Life, you're going to get built up. Can I get a witness? Third John. We're going to go to a little verse, a little verse tucked away at the end of the Bible. Uh, but don't, don't mistake in it for um, uh, it is, it's got, it's power packed. It's pithy, pithy. That's a good summer word. It's, it's, it's pithy. So we're going to go to Third John, only one chapter in verse 2. And here, John is writing to a friend, actually, John, John the Beloved, one of the 12 disciples inspired by Jesus. He writes this. He said, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Notice the comma, as it goes well with your soul. We're asking here in summer reading this project we put together not long ago, how's your soul? And so I'd like to ask you, wherever you are, Kalispell, Whitefish, Billings, Missoula, Bozeman, Polson, Helena, <clears throat> Helena. So come on, relax, Salt Lake City and everybody else. I want to ask you, how's your soul? Seriously, how are you doing? And, and of course, the framework for this is this little verse. Notice again, let me read it again to you. I pray that all may go well with you, that everything goes good and that you are completely healthy. But notice the comma as to the degree, to the level, as it goes well with your soul. Here's, here's a kind of a framework statement that will help us in the next few minutes as we spend time and kind of lean into this thought. You are only as well as your soul. You are only as healthy as your soul. Now, now we live in a culture and a time and a day where everybody says, hey, how are you? Hey, good to see you. And um, kind of our classic cultural American exchanges, right? It's like, hey, I'm like, hey, you good? Good. Great. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Excellent. No one says excellent. But anyways, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You remember that? I've been watching 80s movies this summer. Like, I'm just into 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. Like, anyways, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I don't know if it's inappropriate scenes in it, so just scratch that. But uh, Wayne's World. So, the, the point is, we have these exchanges, don't we? And, and they're kind of white noise and elevator music. We don't even think about it. It's like, how are you? And when someone says, how are you? You think lips, hips, and fingertips. And if it, that's kind of okay, and I'm having a good hair day, like, I guess I'm good. But here, John wants us to know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that you are only as healthy as your soul. You are only as well as the inside. And so I, I actually think here in in the summertime, in Montana, I feel like, or, or Utah, or Wyoming soon, that uh, I, I think the scripture can help you today. If you're sitting right now listening to this and you're going, 
I don't know how my soul is doing. First of all, that's consistent with Scripture. Prophet Jeremiah said the soul is wicked, or the heart, soul, synonyms, is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? And, of course, he answers his own rhetorical question by saying God. God can know it because God gave it to you in the first place. So if you are here and you're like, "Eh," remember when you used to say, beats me, you know, how's your soul? (laughs) Beats me. Um, If how's your soul and that question kind of beats you and you don't really know how to answer that, that's fair. But I feel like in the next few minutes I can give you kind of some handles and some understanding to not only see how you're really doing on the inside, but find some real traction and some real progress. You know, Jesus actually said this, by the way, about the soul. He says, what does it profit a man to gain everything? All the Instagram followers, all the Twitter followers, all the status, all the popularity. You you, you gain the whole world, Jesus says, but you, in the process, lose your soul. It's not a fair trade. It's not a fair trade. I want to go on record to say whether you, whatever you do, whatever your occupation is, it's not a fair trade. Money in the bank is not a fair trade for your soul. Popularity is not a fair trade for your soul. And so how are you really doing on the inside? I didn't ask, how's your bank account? I didn't ask, you know, are you healthy? I didn't ask, did you lose a few extra pounds going into summer so you could have your swimsuit weight? I didn't ask that. I asked, how's your, how's your soul? Would you join me in prayer as we continue? Father, we, we, we right now, all across these campuses here at Fresh Life today, this weekend, we're leaning into this idea and we admit that without you, this is kind of a pointless exercise. So we ask that you would meet with us. We ask, Lord, that we would experience you and your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you so much for Pastor Levi and Jen and their family and fresh life. Lord, just as a friend coming to town, I just bless this house and this community. May they continue to expand and grow according to your will. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that all of Montana would accept that this really is Seahawk country and they should all join Seahawk Nation in the 12th man. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. you might as well. You know what I mean? Like be, be Seahawks fans. I, uh, I try to eat healthy. Okay, and, and I, I, I do my best. Uh, I haven't worked out. It's been like four months coming into the summer here. I haven't worked out. And uh, like I have a friend, uh, Pastor Carl Lentz. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he, he's obsessed with working out. I'm certainly not that vain. I just, to me, it's more about the Bible and Jesus and, and loving people. But I think the point of this is um, I try to stay fit, you know, presentable, right? I don't want to be the guy that has to turn off, his, turn off the lights before he, he has some time with his wife. You know what I mean? So I, I, I try to stay fit. But, but what I've learned, what I've learned, um, gosh, this Montana water, so good, so good. Man, I, I love it. So one of, oh, my word. Here it is. This, you, you guys are distracting me. Two, two kinds of fit people in the world. You know this, right? Two kinds of fit people in the world. The one fit person, um, they work out incessantly so they can eat whatever they want and they stay fit. The second kind of fit person um, doesn't like working out, so they eat next to nothing to stay fit. I am the latter. Now, people are like, oh, why? Well, because, you know, do you, do you stay fit? I'm like, this is the best I got, okay? I've been hungry for two decades, um, but I don't, I don't like working out. Oh, sue me. I don't like pain. Weird. You know, like, no pain, no gain. How about this motto? No pain, no pain. It's worth considering. It's worth considering, right? So, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like working out. 
big deal, okay? So I, I tried yoga, okay? I don't know if that's okay to say in church. I prayed to Jesus the whole time. Um, but but I, I want to be healthy. And so I, I don't, so there's just, have you noticed like times of change when it comes to eating healthy and like what's healthy and what's nutritious? And I mean, so much information is inundates, inundates us on a daily basis, right? I don't even know what's healthy anymore. And I have these conflicting conversations. I don't read a lot. I have friends who do and I have conversations with them. So why read? You know what I mean? Like that's just how it works for me. So I have lots of smart friends and I'll just ask some questions all the time. And I'm honestly, officially so confused. This literally happened approximately two years ago. I'm talking to a friend, and the subject of bananas comes up, as it does. And he says, don't eat bananas. And I'm like, okay, okay, geez. He's like, no, 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 seriously. The amount of sugar in a banana processes in your body the equivalent of a can of Coke. And I'm like, what? That, I don't understand. This is, this is true, factual stuff. Now, times have so changed, right? We're, we're, we're living in the information age. We're so far from the 80s. But if you were a child of the 80s, or if you've ever heard of the 80s and the side spike and the slick back hair, okay, I'm a product of the 80s. Now, my mom was a health nut, and we had breakfast every morning because breakfast is good for you. And my mom was such a health nut. Like, we had, we had a candy day once a week, and we got sugar-free candy. <laughs> she was a legalist. And so, clearly, and, and, and so she was super, super strict. So we only got health food, right? Like, I'm talking back, like, like my mom was, like, way back. Like, make our own raisins and make our own bread, okay? So I'm talking that, now that, now, that, she could be in Montana. That's, I mean, that's real, that's real. So we were really into health. So our breakfast, we would go to the supermarket, you know what I'm talking about, and you would be like, there would be honey smacks, and Fruit Loops, and Frosted Flakes, right? I mean, just, it's all there. I'm like, mom, please. She's like, no, only two kinds of cereal we ever had in our house, Raisin Bran and Frosted Mini Wheats. Do you remember this? Because this was healthy in 1987. Okay, the health food board, I don't even know what that is, but the health food board <laughs> told us that this is healthy. So, so this, was, this was my typical breakfast in the year of uh, 1987, circa 1987, okay? We had, we had raisin bran or frosted mini wheats. I would cover the raisin brands or the frosted mini wheats with low-fat yogurt because low-fat yogurt's healthy for you. Some of you still think it is. And, and then slice bananas, right? And we put it and then pour in the 2%, not whole milk, let's not get crazy. 2% homogenized. And I don't even know what that means. It just came to me. It's the summer. And I literally, I literally would crush like a bowl or two of my healthy breakfast. Now we have come. Now, now research tells us now in this information age, that raisin bran, right now we bought it because it had bran in the name or wheat in the name, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, but those raisins and raisin brands are the equivalent of Sour Patch Kids. You know that, right? Like it's the same thing. There is more nutritional value in the box, the cardboard box, than the raisin bran. Can you imagine somebody in one of these campuses is like, that's my company. <laughs> so sorry. But that was the 80s. That's what we literally thought was healthy. Like, we, we, we avoided lots of butter, right? Like, we avoided bacon because that was fattening, right? Now I did this bulletproof thing where I pour butter. I put butter in my coffee, and I crush bacon because times, they are a-changing. 
Have you heard of this new, like, we sell meal replacement bars in our country now. Meal replacements. Can we talk about this? We're replacing a lot more than a meal. Like, what is there, what's life about? I don't know. Loving Jesus, married sex, and good meals. I mean... If we're replacing one of the top three, we're replacing a lot more than meals. That's social skills replacement, right? I mean, this is meal replacement is just not okay. Point being, times have changed, and it's tough to know how to eat healthy. This literally happened. This, I can't make this up. About a week ago, I had a conversation. You may not know this recent study. Recent study proves that the white rice, brown rice dilemma is not what we think it is. Right? No, 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 listen. Like, I would go out to sushi. I would go out with friends, and they'd be like, I'd like white rice, and I'd, like, make fun of them. <laughs> you want a side of Twix and M&Ms too, slugger? Okay. Right? Like, I literally would be like, I would mock them. Someone came up to me and said, do you eat white, white rice or brown rice? I'm like, brown rice, thank you, not an accident. You know, like, and, and they're like, false. I have aggressive friends, evidently. False. And I'm like, what do you mean? Recent research tells us that white rice is actually better for you. Now, I believe my friends so much. Two days later, I go to a sushi joint, a joint, a sushi space, and I, I literally say, white rice, and I, I am back on the white rice train, okay? But it's so confusing to know what's healthy. My wife of 17 years, she's beautiful, right? She's amazing, but we totally disagree on what's healthy. Now, I'm thinking about this a couple years ago along the lines of soul, and I'm thinking, you know, if I am so confused on how to be healthy on the outside, I wonder how confused we are on how to be healthy on the inside. If there is so much differing perspectives and ideas about our physical body, which we can see, do we actually understand, can we grasp and ascertain how to be healthy on the inside? How's your soul? Are you healthy on the inside? How do you know? What makes up a soul? By the way, I challenge you, do a little, do a little scholarly research, and you will find so much debate and so much dialogue amongst a bunch of old dead guys who want to write, and they are far smarter than me, that's for sure, and they will tell you that the soul is its heart and its spirit or its mind or its emotions or its will. I have come to the conclusion that all of these words in Scripture are really synonyms. They're all synonymous, right? Spirit, heart. Soul, mind, breath, these things are synonyms. And so in this project, we define soul as, well, as, as David says, let all that is within me bless his holy name. So here's a more specific question. Is, is all that is within you healthy? How is all that is within you? Now, in this life, so many of us live outside, outside or sometimes outside, inside, but rarely do we live according to the biblical order, the Bible order, which is inside out. How much time and attention have you put towards soul care? Are you caring for your inside? Well, I mean, if you're like me, it's like, wow, really cool, like pithy stuff, man, but I don't know how to take care of my inside. Okay, that's where I want to jump in and try to help you. I want us to go back to the beginning of time, and I want us to look at the origins of 
the human soul, okay? So Genesis in chapter 2, you still, you doing okay? Whitefish, are you okay? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, um, Paulson, how you doing, Paulson? I love you. I, I love you, Paulson, so much. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Look at this with me now. How's your soul? How's all it is within you? How do I know? What is it? Let, let's define it. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Do you see that? So what we have in the beginning of time, I'm one of those guys that believe we are created, created by God. We're not an accident. He was intimately involved in our design and in our makeup, and he has an incredible plan and purpose for our life. You're going to come to fresh life, and you're going to find a, an overwhelming emphasis on the value and dignity of humanity. That's what's so beautiful about this place, because we believe that you are a result of God's intimate, purposeful design. But, but notice, Adam, the first human being, was first a form, was first a form. He was a form. In other words, if Adam was here, he was a shell first, okay? So you actually, in the beginning, you could see Adam, but Adam wasn't Adam. You could see his lips, hips, and fingertips, right? He had a, he had a form, but notice, he's not a living being. Until what? Until God lets Adam borrow his breath. He breathes his life into Adam, and only then does the Bible say, and he was activated. He was booted up, or he became a living being. The ancient Hebrews believed that every human being lives on borrowed breath. We live on the borrowed breath of God. The ancient Hebrews believed that the most essential characteristic of the human soul was the breath of God, that in fact what makes up your insides is essentially the breath of God. Of God. We should keep in mind what shapes our worldview and our perspective of dignity and value and identity is the fact that of all created beings, of all creatures and all creation, there is only one being that has shared the breath of God. As much as I love dolphins and flamingos and your dog, I don't love your cats. God doesn't even love your cats. I'm just saying. But, but flamingos do not borrow the breath of God. Dolphins is wonderful. If you don't like dolphins, obviously something's wrong with you. But <laughs> dolphins don't borrow the breath of God. Only the human being shares the breath of God, which identifies the fact that the human being is the centerpiece of God's creation. That's why we take considerable care as communities of faith following Jesus for the dignity and preservation of human life because they are made in the image of God and they literally within their body house the borrowed breath of God. Are you wondering how valuable you are today? Are you wondering if your life matters? Are you wondering, are you even significant? Are you kidding me? You have the breath of Almighty God in your body. Isn't that amazing? We won't get into this, but it's in the project, and we put it in there, but this idea of taking your breath home, you know how you take your soul home? A lot of people are living internally nomadic. I'm convinced of it. That's why there's so, many, so much fear and anxiety and worry and pain, because internally we have no home. We don't go home. When we use the breath in our body to form it into praise and form it into worship, our soul comes home, and now we give back the breath that we borrowed back to the one who gave it to us in the first place place and that'll that'll do something in your soul so that's why like 
I, I have friends that start coming to community, and they're like, your speeches are cool, man. But honestly, that, that like mass karaoke thing we do, like the music part, the band part, is becoming my favorite. What they don't understand, they, don't, they, they think it's lyrics or band, or they think it's environment or hazers or light. It's none of that. It's their breath. Their soul is going, oh, I'm home. Because I was de designed to say, Jesus, I love you. Right? Like, so we won't. We'll save that for another time, okay? We won't, but I, I want to move from Genesis 2 and verse 7, and I want us to look at the original environment that God puts the very first human soul. Now, if you want to help your inside, if you want to help your soul, beware of the environment you put it in. You're a creature, if you will. You're a created being made for environment. That's why environments can be conducive, environments can be productive, or environments can be counterproductive and difficult and challenging and awkward. Environments matter, and they affect your soul. What is happening in fresh life is there is an environment that is fresh and full of life, and people are finding that their soul can heal, their soul can find home and rest and peace, and that's why so many people are joining the community of fresh life because of an environment. So I want us to consider the original environment for the human soul. What we're going to find is four essential elements for your soul. So when I ask, how's your soul? Here's four things you can consider. Okay? So I'm, I really want to, this is, listen, this is as practical as I get. Okay? I'm usually high inspiration and sometimes low practicality. Okay? My wife, I married her because she's practical. Right? I'm an abstract, random artist. I feel like practicality robs me of my creativity. Okay? But this is me doing the best I can here to practically help you because honestly, two years ago, these four things, these four elements literally changed the trajectory of my life and helped me on a daily basis, and I believe they can help you wherever you are, present in this theater or watching, this can help you. First and foremost, Genesis 2 and verse 9. Notice the very first description of the environment or the garden. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now, if I asked you, some of you Bible scholars and passionate about Scripture and the Bible narrative and God's story. If I asked you, what's the very first description of the garden or the original environment that God put man? You probably wouldn't say what I just read, but in fact, that is the first description. The first description of the Garden of Eden was what? That the trees were just good to look at. They were cool. And the food tasted great. Natural sugars. Right? Adam doesn't know later in life that'll be a very significant fact in being healthy. But check this out. The very first thing God wants us to know about the original environment is that there were things to look at that were enjoyable, and the food tasted good, and that was enjoyable. When I ask you, how's your soul? Here's another way I can ask. How are you resting? How are you enjoying life? Are you enjoying life? You know, Christians globally, if I could be so bold, and this is probably crossing a line here, who, I don't know all the Christians in the world, but I could probably, I got a hunch that most of our reputation around the world is not that we enjoy life like better than anyone. 
we're kind of sometimes we're the we're the we're the we're the Debbie Downers globally. Have you noticed that? Like we're like, uh, things are so bad. Uh, you're going to hell. You're bad. You're mean, right? And and we're 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 kind of like you know we walk into social circles and spaces and people are like, wah, wah. my Christian friend. Okay, party's over. You know, we're not known actually for enjoying life. We're not known. We're, we're typically around the world. We're known for being incredibly intense and serious and taking ourselves way too seriously. But actually, the first description for the human soul is is rest. Now, as you read through your Bible, and if you're new to Jesus, I hope that you begin to take, you know, day by day, like compound interest. You read scriptures, and before you know it, you'll probably get cover to cover, and you'll kind of get a sense of God's story. You'll notice one of the paramount ideas in this story is rest. His rest. In fact, you may not know this, but God, with the, the first the, the nation that he built and worked with, the nation of Israel, he actually did not give them an option. He required that they took one day with zero physical effort or activity. It was called a Sabbath. Now, that teaching of rest carries on in, G- in Jesus. We're no longer now called to, we have to take one day with no activity, but now it's this idea of living in rest on a daily basis. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, I'll give you rest for your soul. Remember what he says, come to me, right? Those who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your soul. Interesting, rest for your soul. Have you ever, been, have you ever rested physically but still been exasperated internally? Ever come home from vacation, but you're more tired emotionally and mentally on the inside than you are like physically. You're like, I'm all rested, but I'm still in turmoil. So many people live that way. And taking a nap is fine, but we need rest for our soul. Why is rest so paramount in the Bible story? Rest is first because God is first. Please hear me. Rest is first because God is first. This is what happens in rest. This is what happened in the Sabbath with the people of Israel. It's what happens today when we rest. When we rest, we recognize he does not. When we rest, the earth doesn't stop. When we rest, we remember the one who neither slumbers nor sleeps. We remember that he is sovereign. To rest well is to trust well. The restless soul believes that you are the captain of your own ship. A restless soul believes you are the commander of your own destiny. A restless soul is all wound up with the idea that you've got to figure this life out. But a rested soul is a trusting soul. A soul that says, God, you're in charge, you're in control, you're omnipresent, you're omniscient, you're sovereign, and you're in control of my life. So I'm going to rest well, are you, building in, are you building in margin in your life? Can I challenge some people? And, I, and I, I'm pastors included, all of us, I'm challenging you. One of the most spiritual things you could do this week, summers in Montana and Utah and soon Wyoming. You know one of the most spiritual things you could do? Memorizing the book of Philippians is probably good. But you know, you, 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 you could take a walk this summer. What do you mean? And look at God's creation. When's the last time you're like, man, those trees are cool. Right? I remember, I remember as a kid listening to my dad like, wow, are these are beautiful trees. Look at the birds, son. I'd be like, dad, please. Uh, I want, where's my Nintendo? 
You know what I mean? Super Mario, Luigi. You know, like, so I start naming off the characters of Super Mario. Uh, where's Jesus and all this? But I think the most, one of the most spiritual things we could do is, is rest. Like, you, you know what you could do this week? I know, I think praying would be really admirable and noble and probably very productive. But you could also find some friends and take them out to dinner and have a good meal and talk about God and just how much he's changed your life. Based on this optimal environment, are you building in a rested, trusted lifestyle? Are you exhaling? <clears throat> are you enjoying creation? Are you enjoying a good meal? Are you enjoying culture? Are you laughing? Are you enjoying art? Are you not taking yourself too seriously? It's good for the soul. Going on, it says, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, notice, to work it and keep it. Work it. I love preachers. Turn to neighbor and say, work it. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, you can. You know, but work it and keep it. I grew up in church my whole life, man. I heard it all. I love it, too. Work it. Um, but God called Adam to a J-O-B. Now, a lot of people, I asked a college student the other day, I said, what's your dream job? He's like, not to have one and to travel. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, cool. But then in my mind, I'm thinking, but that's not good for your soul. It's not good for your soul. The first element is rest. The second element is responsibility. Responsibility is good for your soul. Your job is a blessing. Do you know how much joblessness there is in the world? The fact that you got a job is a blessing. And if you don't have a job, don't date. You know, like, throw that in there, you know? Girls, don't date dudes with no jobs. Please, get a J-O-B. But jobs are a blessing. They're a blessing. You know what the Bible says? Whatever your hand finds to do. Even, as, even if it seems insignificant to you and small and not global changing occupation, whatever your hand finds to do, do that with all your might. It is good for your soul. Enjoy your job. Make the most of your job. Responsibility is good. Oh, man, I'm just trying to get to the weekend. That's not good for the soul. I'd like to go on record to say some of our cultural ideas are not healthy for the inside you. It is not healthy to live for the weekend. You ought to embrace Monday. You ought to embrace your 8 a.m. Monday in-office call. There you are, and you're going to embrace it, and you're going to make the most of it, and it'll be good for your soul. Everybody, everybody wants to live on vacation, but that's not always good for your soul. Going on, I'm, I promise I'm almost done. And the Lord God, verse 16, commanded the man, saying, listen to this now, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. I remember reading this, and I was talking about it in community. I had a college guy. I love college guys. You know what I mean? College dudes. And especially the ones that get all worked up theologically. It's so much fun, you know? So he comes up and he's like, I don't understand why God put the bad tree in the garden. Can you explain that to me, Pastor? Because if he wouldn't have put the bad tree in the garden, we'd be free. We'd be in the clear. Can you explain to me? Like, this guy got so intense, didn't he? I don't know. I, I don't think that's how it went in the story, but I just gotten intense, and, and I'm enjoying it. And, and I said, well, I said, first of all, it's a, it's a valid question. It's a good question. 
I said, but can we stop before we go any further in this discussion and recognize that God stacks the odds in our favor? You can eat of, did you, did you read what I read? You can eat of every tree of the garden except one. Let's do, let's do this different. It, this, it, it works something like this. Yes, 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 no. God, why? Right? That's a lot of Christians, man. Yes, 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 no. God, you don't, why would you do this to me? Right? Look at all the permission, but all we can think about is restriction. All the permission that God says. By the way, y'all, he gives permission before restriction, indicative of God's grace. Right? So the odds are stacked in our favor. It's amazing what we miss in the Bible. When we just focus on the things, right, like why even have the tree there? Well, let me tell you. First of all, he wants you to see his grace and his goodness. Look at the odds in our favor, even the beginning of time in the original environment. God was like, yes to everything, no to only one thing, because I'm that kind of God, right? That's amazing. Furthermore, we have to have the one bad tree because it preserves the integrity of love as defined by God and his universe. There has to be choice in love. Without the bad tree, they're all good trees, and the choice is already made for us. So there has to be one bad tree so that we can choose the good trees, and by choosing the good trees, we choose a good God. Right? So we got to have the tree there. But I think another observation in relationship to your soul that must be made is it was good for Adam to have a no. We can talk about rest. We can talk about responsibility, and we're only scratching the surface here on the weekend. But you know what? We can also talk about restriction. Everybody's like, man, I, I need to set my soul free. I just need to be me, man. I just need to be free. I'm not, you, know what, you know why I feel this way? Because I just I got to get all these restrictions, all these things. I just got to get free. And they fail to recognize that actually boundaries are healthy. You heard the study they did with the kids, with the kids, right, in, in the playground. They took the fences away, and all the kids huddled in a nervous mass and wreck together because there was, no, there was no fences. They put the fences back the next day, and the kids were climbing on the fences talking about, I'm going to get out of here. Because the human soul is made for absolute freedom within absolute limits. So there must be restriction. It was good for Adam every day on his afternoon stroll. To walk by the tree and go, I can, but no. Like, God didn't put lasers around the tree. You know, just, oh, sorry, God. It's like, so I put the lasers there, son. No worries. You know, like, he actually physically could, and eventually they would, right? He could reach out, but every day he could walk by and go, no. When is the last time you utilize what I like to call the necessary no? When's the last time you said no to something that you could say yes to? You just said no because it's good to hear yourself say to yourself no. Hey, no. Just, hey, no. It could be something as simple as dessert. It could be something as simple as a TV show. It could be something as massive as a job offer, whatever it might be. But you just, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a no. What I love about Jesus is the spirit of Jesus oftentimes will guide me in my little no's. That's a no for you right now. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. So, like, I, legally, I could do this, and it's okay, but it's not always about sin or not sin, even though contextually that's what we're talking about. But sometimes it's just, 
You know, I could. And some say I should. But no. When's the last time you just, in this, in this summer season, why don't you just tell yourself, no. Hey, no. That's good for your soul. Now, last but certainly not least, it goes on, and it says in verse 22, well, actually it says in verse 18, and the Lord, <laughs> and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, you amazing Bible people know it's the first not good in the Bible. Everything else is good, 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 not good. What's not good? Adam has a lot of pets but doesn't have a best friend. That's what it means. How's your soul? Are you resting well? Do you have responsibility? Responsibility also is serving. Are you serving well? Are you saying no to yourself? And lastly, are you being intentional about those key relationships in your life? I know we always talk about Adam and Eve being like, it's a romance, and it is. It's the first marriage. But, you know, there is no marriage or romance without friendship. These are best friends. I want you to think for a moment. Look how involved God is in the very first friendship. Look how involved he is. I find oftentimes we take friendships as they come. Well, he's in the cubicle next to me. We must be friends. We're going to hang out. We're going to be lifers. We're going to go on vacation together. Well, that's awesome. I think you should be kind and considerate and compassionate to the person in the cubicle next to you. I think you should draw big social circles and be nice and considerate to people. But there's only a few, a few people you can share your soul with. And who are those people that God's put in your life? And by the way, are you being intentional? Are you investing in those relationships? Are you, by the way, have you told them lately? Have I told you lately? It's like, what, what, you know, are we singing now, you know? But have you, have you told them lately? Hey, do you know how much you mean to me? I only got a couple friends like you, and I need you in my life. You might have to get in your car and drive across Kalispell <laughs> or Salt Lake City and go knock on a door. Two 60-year-old men look at each other, haven't told each other, loved you your whole life. But you drive across town to tell your 60-year-old best friend since you were in high school, hey, are you in there? I love you. Man, come on, don't be weird. Don't, just listen to me. You mean so much to me. You've helped change my life. You've helped me in my journey with Jesus, and I need to tell you more. Am I being a good friend? Am I reciprocating your friendship and your relationship? Am I investing? Are we taking the time we need to care for each other and serve each other and love each other? Don't get me started about marriage, the ultimate best friend. But are we encouraging each other? Are we investing in those relationships? You know what makes fresh life so, can I do it, fresh? You know what it is? Because there's intentional, meaningful, genuine, authentic relationships to be had, to be made, and to be lived with in this place. People that are caring for one another, loving each other. I know, I know, I, I probably say love too much. That's what people tell me. But I want to be somebody who loves well. You can't live well unless you love well. Because Jesus defines living well as loving well. Are you loving the few friends that you know God connected you with? Are you being encouraging? Are you being available? It's challenging for me, even in my own life. Now, everything we've said as we come to a close, everything we said I, I hope is productive and I hope is constructive and I hope is helpful and encouraging to you. But I'm going to give you full disclosure as we close out. And the band is playing softly. All the bands across all the campuses are playing softly. Full disclosure, everything I have just said to you 
is meaningless, falls flat on its face, and produces no progress or traction in your soul or in your life at all unless, unless, unless I've made an assumption, an assumption that maybe you've noticed or maybe you haven't. And that is that you and I both understand that the four elements I've just described were in a context of sinlessness. So there was no sin, right? So everything we're talking about seems real great. In the day and age in which we live, there's a lot of education, information, and reformation, and legislation, and all these things trying to improve the state of the human soul, and the human condition, and the human experience, and all of that is wonderful. But I'm here to say that the most essential element to a healthy, buoyant, living soul is actually not just the four R's. I, they, they, they're nothing without this right relationship with the one who gave you breath in your body. Righteousness. That's what we need. You want to talk about rest? You want to talk about responsibility and restriction? All of it matters not until righteousness is restored. And that is the zenith of our story and our message. What do we do? We're in the ultimate condition, the ultimate plight of humanity. It's actually not a need of information, education. What it is is sin. Sin is still the biggest problem, and it's ravaging the world as we know it. It's decimating countries and continents. It's sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're all in this together, so what are we going to do? We need a superhero. We need a man. We need a God-man to stand up in the midst of us who has no sin so he can deal with your sin and my sin. Right? So that's the story. There was no sin, then sin came, and then here came our superhero. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin, so that you and I, by faith, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is restored through the free gift of Jesus. Whosoever believes, to believe is to receive. And when you receive righteousness, you're back in connection with the God who made you in the first place. How's your soul? It can be saved. How's your soul? It can be forgiven. How's your soul? It can be restored. How's your soul? It can be healed and put back together again. This is why we worship Jesus. And we love him. He's the only one that can save us from ourselves. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now, all over this weekend, this summer season. Oh, God, help us on the inside before we even consider those four elements let us first focus unwaveringly on the big problem in the world and it's your sin and mine and it separates us from God but Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life nobody gets to the Father except through me so that's the message we preach at Fresh Life that's the message we preach around the world. We're trying to tell the world there's a superhero and he can save our souls. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, can I just pray for you? Jesus, we love you. We love you. And even, even forming those words doesn't even seem close to enough to express the emotion to express, express the gratitude and the thankfulness we have for you. For without you, we are lost. Without you, we are hopeless. So I'm praying 
I'm praying for my friends right now. I'm praying for each and every man, woman, boy, and girl listening right now. I'm asking that you would meet them in a real way. I ask for faith to explode on the inside, to accept the free gift that only you offer, a free gift of forgiveness. And we thank, we thank you so much for these moments that we share. And I just declare again over Fresh Life in this community that now expands to multiple states. God, I pray you would enlarge the sphere of this community. You would enlarge the sphere of this house. I thank you, Lord, for big things in the future. I pray you would su surprise Pastor Levi, Pastor Jen, and the whole team. I pray surprises, surprises, surprises. Add to this parade of miracles. I declare it in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. It is only the beginning of the expansion so that your story may be told and that Jesus and his love might be experienced. I declare that in Jesus' name. What an incredible message. Thank you for joining us this week for this teaching at Fresh Life Church. If at any point during the message you felt led to make a decision for Christ, please click the Know God tab on our website. Once you're there, you'll find a short video that will help you learn a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we would love to congratulate you and support you in this decision by sending you some resources that will help you start your relationship with God on the right foot. Also, if you've been impacted by the ministry at Fresh Life, we would love to hear about it. You can go to the Share Your Story tab on our website, fill out the form, let us know how God's working in your life. Trust me when I tell you that this is so encouraging to our staff and to our entire church. We love hearing how we're impacting you and how God is working in your life. Lastly, if you'd like to partner with us financially and support the work that God is doing through Fresh Life, you can click the Give tab on our website. That will take you to a safe and secure website where you can set up a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift that will help us continue to help those stranded in sin find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us.